For 700 years or so, the church has celebrated a Trinity Sunday, usually the Sunday after Pentecost. And it is an honor and a joy for me to be here to celebrate this with you. It is, historically speaking, a Sunday when um, pastors are happy to get a guest in to try to make sense of it all. You can tell by the smiles. Now, I understand that um, life got very complicated, and I appreciate the invitation to come and to worship with you and to share the word again. This reading from the Gospel according to Matthew is the Gospel lesson assigned for Trinity Sunday. Let us listen once again for the word of the Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a story about Trinity Sunday. Well, actually, there are lots of them. One of the best ones I've heard was that there was a member of a church, man, who came to worship once a year. And we would think that would be Easter or Christmas Eve. But in this case, this man came on Trinity Sunday. When he was asked, why do you show up on this day? He says, well, I like to see the preacher gets so confused trying to explain the Trinity. The idea of a Trinity, of a triune God, is something that is of confusing to preachers of all stripes. One God, three persons, the Father and the Son and the Ghost, and how do they all relate? Many of us can't quite figure it out. And the problem with the early church's efforts to define them, which they thought they did, is that it gets so caught up in the Greek and Roman philosophy that it really doesn't make much sense to us today. So my question for this morning is, what are we to make of Trinity? What difference does this doctrine, this part of our theology make for how we live our lives. So I'm not going to um, try to explain the Trinity, as I've already warned you about that. Three and one, one and three, many analogies have been suggested. One of the earliest ones was of a shamrock, three leaves, one shamrock. Even earlier than that was a reference to a tree. You've got roots, you've got wood, you've got leaves, one tree, or water. You have ice, and then you have water, and then you have steam. Water. 
I confess none of those were particularly moving for me because I think the question really is, is not how do we understand these three and one and one and three, but what difference does this make for our lives? What difference does it make that we believe in and put our trust in God, the three in one, the one in three? What difference does Trinity make for those struggling with cancer, other illnesses? What difference does Trinity make for families struggling with addictions? They probably really don't care much about Trinity. What difference does Trinity make for teenagers and young adults struggling for their own sense of identity, for a couple heading for divorce, or for the person whose company is struggling simply to keep them employed? Does it matter if there's a father, son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, it does matter. It does matter. Trinity reminds us, and setting aside one day to focus on this is probably not sufficient. Does it matter that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? This Sunday reminds us that God is for us, God is with us, God is in us. That is my way of trying to share about the Trinity. God with us, God for us, God in us. Trinity reminds us that the creative life of the universe is for us that the crucified yet risen one is with us, and that the power of new life and hope is in us. So the place to begin is to try to be clear about what is the issue for Trinity Sunday. For I believe the question is not whether you believe in a triune God, but what kind of God do you give your life and pledge your loyalty? What kind of God do you find giving your life energy and creativity and direction and purpose? If we're struggling with cancer and illness, if we know God only as some high and mighty lawgiver distant from our lives, we probably will not look to that God for comfort when we're in the midst of our struggles. We might not find that comfortable if we're struggling with divorce because we want a, a God who is with us. Who wants a judgmental God? What kind of God are you having? Well, very often when we grow up and as children, we learn about that God who is far away and distant and disconnected always on the horizon threatening to come and especially we remember it says well just wait till your father gets home <laughs> what kind of god is at work in your life in your words in your actions as some of you know the whole relationship between modern science and the christian faith has been an interest of mine for many many years 
And I believe the story of the Trinity begins at creation. The Genesis story reveals to us how the triune God works. The creation of the universe is the process of bringing order out of chaos, light out of darkness, God making creation for us to enjoy and to thrive in. God for us, God as a creative power, bringing life out of nothingness. A wind, as it says in Genesis, comes blowing and the imagery is almost like that of a mothering hen of a bird who stirs up life out of the chaos and, and nurtures and protects the children that are, are developing. I believe the creation stories tell us that God as Trinity is in all of our relationships. That God as Trinity is with us through the power of the word that brings the creation to life, that spoke human beings into existence in the image of God. God for us in the work of creation, God with us as the word speaking life and hope into our lives, God in us, nurturing us, caring for us. Now, the story of the risen Christ appearing to the 11 disciples, I think captures a pragmatic value of the doctrine of Trinity. Even though some of the disciples still doubted him, Jesus assures his followers that all authority over creation, heaven and earth, there's nothing left except creation. All authority in creation has been given to him as God with us. Jesus sends the disciples to continue his ministry in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And of all the names of God in the Bible, why those three? Well, think about this. If we baptize people, children, only in the name of God the Father, what would we lose? Well, we would lose the presence of God in Christ. We would lose the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit. With only the Father, we can make the mistake of focusing only on the powerful and mysterious one. I know that some people have problem with God as Father. There is no evading the fact that Father is a masculine term, and for some it represents centuries of patriarchal domination. So there is no, de no denying that some people experience Father as cold, aloof, uncaring. Many of us have heard that threat. Wait till your father gets home. Yet to abandon the father as part of the baptismal experience is we would lose the biblical God, the biblical God who is the father of a chosen people, the father who gives an inheritance, who protects and rescues God's children, regardless of the chaos they find themselves in. The biblical model of God as father is very clear 
God as Father has chosen a particular people to be given an inheritance and cared for with steadfast love. When Jesus calls upon God as Father, Jesus reminds us that our God is the God of the exodus from slavery to sin. That Jesus is calling upon the God who chose Jesus in baptism and chooses each one of us as a child of God. This is the God that we need. God the Father. What happened if we only baptized in the name of the Son? Well, we would miss knowing God as creator, who organizes the world for our enjoyment, who liberates us from slavery to sin. If we didn't have God the Holy Spirit, we would miss the power of creativity, of life and hope for the future that the Spirit has promised to us. We would miss the wisdom of Christ, teaching us the way of Christ, redeeming the work of cross and resurrection. So according to Jesus, friends, we're sent into the world, but we are not alone. We are not alone. We better go into this world with the Trinity. We pass through the waters of our baptism, enter the whole being of God, and Jesus assures us that we are never disconnected from the creative power of God. Jesus promises, assures us that we are never disconnected from that creative power. We're never detached completely from the redeeming work of God. We're never isolated from the spirit that stirs in us hope and grace. When I was a pastor in the church, I would from time to time meet someone who would come and talk with me and tell me that he did not believe in God. And so as a pastor, I asked him, so tell me about the God you don't believe in. I heard about God as an old man, quite literally, sitting up in heaven, not caring about our life and our concerns, caring only about the many bad things that we had done. So I listened to his anger and his sadness and his hurt and disappointment and told him, you know, I don't believe in that God either. He said, what? You're a minister. He said, let me tell you about the God I do believe in. God the Father, who organizes creation for rhythm and harmony and for feeding us and giving us the good life. I shared with him about God the Son, who experienced pain and rejection and death that we too experience, but whose life was vindicated by God. And I tell him about God the Spirit, who breathes new life and hope into death-dealing situations within families, within culture, within jobs. And I ask him, I says, is this the God you can believe in? The Trinity is not a problem to be solved. God for us, 
God with us, God in us. Friends, that is the best news that we can take to others, sharing a joyous and full life together. We have a God who yearns for our well-being, a God whose love is, is greater than the worst pain that we know, a God whose gift of life transforms whatever experiences of death that we might have. God for us, God with us, God in us. Can you believe in that God with me? For that is the God that goes with you each day. Let us pray. God of mystery and wonder, God of life and death, God of grace and hope, you are with us as we follow the response and call of Jesus to go. For we know that you are God for us and with us and in us. In the name of the living Christ we pray. Amen.